Hi everybody, I'm Sal, and you're listening to the Elseworlds Exchange, brought to you by Comic Pop. Go to comicpop.net for all your YouTube comic book needs. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at audible.com. If you use our custom URL at audibletrial.com slash comicpop, you will get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. You can get over 180,000 titles that you can download onto your phone, either i or Android, Kindle or MP3 player. Use that custom URL of audibletrial.com slash comicpop and get yourself a 30-day free trial and one free audiobook download. I recommend The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. After Lord of the Rings hit the scene, I kind of became a fanatic for Lord of the Rings and had to know everything I could know about the universe that Tolkien created, and I started with The Hobbit, and it is a really, really fun book, and it's one that I like to kind of revisit every now and then. This audiobook makes it so much easier for me to just kind of revisit it anytime I want to. So I figured I'd pass the experience and the savings on to you and recommend you download the J.R.R. Tolkien story, The Hobbit. And no, it's not three disappointing movies. It's just one short, fun story. AudibleTrial.com slash Comic Pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes a friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. A mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusader for law. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I am Sal, and I'm joined today. I'm so excited. I'm so overjoyed uh, i'm i'm joined today by the bard from bardic broadcasts it's an amazing youtube channel if you're not already familiar you should go check it out i put it in the doobly-doo below this video um bard thank you so much for joining me today you're very welcome sal hello everybody yes i'm the bard <laughs> and uh today <laughs> we're gonna be analyzing a question that uh i'm intimately familiar with but uh you have very uh little familiarity with although i'm surprised yeah. i'd be surprised I, I think we'll find you have more uh, to say on this subject than uh, than you might have thought. It could be true. Yes. It could be true. I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm not an expert that you've wheeled in for specialist knowledge. No. But it might. Parts of the question coincide with what I usually think about and, and ponder in my daily life. So. Exactly. Uh, so the question yeah. is, uh, what is a superhero? What makes a superhero? Um, we yeah. ask that question more or less every time that we read a comic for us, uh, for us over here at Comic Pop. Um, because more often than not, especially in today's world, the superheroes are, if, if they're not anti-heroes or, you know, towing the, the gray line between hero and villain, they're fighting each other. And so as such, you're kind of like, why? Like, what, what even is a superhero anymore? <laughs> to answer the question, you've got to cut it back to the basics. Yes. I think you've sort of got to approach it um, with, because you can recognize a superhero, when you're, you're familiar with the genre. Right. Um, you can recognize one when you see one, but the the question is why and how do you quantify what a superhero is? Exactly. Cause like, it's tough because it's, it's not my area, as we've established. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing is, I, I think that the, the term superhero is, in and of itself, like, it's kind of simple, but it's also... Mm. Um, uh, it, it, it's very complicated because, you know... Depending on who's asking the question, it could be the the the, the definition could change very dramatically. Um, to a to a child, a fireman is a superhero because they have all the qualities of like an adult who is for them larger than life, but they also do something that is in essence heroic. Um, but for those of us who like literature, you know, a superhero could be anything, um, depending on your interpretation. But I think we uh, we want to go a little bit more narrow. We want to we want to focus a little more more crisply than than just saying like oh anything can be a superhero moving on yeah a, you require a more specialized answer than that and i don't think we're going to reach a conclusion but oh, we're no. going to discuss probably a few hypotheses i hope so yeah um i don't think we're going to have an authoritative 
uh, output. I'm sure there are a few out there that oh, no will doubt. say clearly what a superhero is. And, you, you know, I don't read superhero comics. Yes. I've seen some superhero movies, and I know a bit through osmosis and through talking with friends. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, in the 90s, some 97 or 98, I thought, I'm going to get into this superhero business. And oh, I went okay. on the internet, and I looked at forums and the like, mm-hmm. and I learned very quickly the first... The first and most important thing, I think, when we're talking about superheroes is how little superpowers matter. So yes. if we start with superpowers. They, they're an important part of the superhero as a, a generic icon, as a, as a genre sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. But when identifying a superhero, superpowers are the least important quality. Hmm. I think um, you can't say oh, okay. a superhero has superpowers and, and leave it at that. It's, it, you need more. Well, yeah, because um, I mean, you look at any uh, any costumed character. I mean, people classify Batman as a superhero, yet he has no uh, superpowers. Although it's kind of nebulous in that area, because I'd man, argue that he doesn't sleep, he doesn't go to the bathroom, he has billions of dollars. Like you, you could say that some of his qualities are enhanced enough to be considered super. Um, yeah, but it's interesting you should I, say. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. Oh, uh, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, I keep. I keep coming across this statement people make that Batman doesn't have superpowers. Mm -hmm. And I have to assume that they just accept that as fact and stop thinking there because when you approach it from certain angles, I don't know, I think it's pretty clear that he does. Uh, (laughs) It's probably nothing new um, in in the field of thinking about superheroes and talking about superheroes to make an assertion like that. So I'm probably not breaking new ground to make an assertion that, that... no, but let's do See, it. I watched, because, yeah. Uh, right. this, well, it's interesting because I think uh, questions of identity have more to do with what a superhero is than powers. Hmm. And I went to the theater and I saw Batman v Superman, as many did. Ah, yes. And, um, and it was clear to me that they'd gotten the dichotomy wrong. Because I know those two characters, obviously. Right. They're, I the, mean, they're the biggest ones. Yeah, just culturally speaking, you know the characters. Even if you've never really read any Superman-Batman comics, you're intimately familiar with who Batman and Superman are, at the core at least. Yeah. I think so. And I think I think just by virtue of their existence. You know, it's like knowing... It's like even if you're not necessarily Christian, you know the Jesus story. Mm, they're so culturally embedded that you, you, you can't extract... You can't avoid them. Exactly. There's no avoiding... Uh, knowing who Superman and Batman are. It's been, it's been my contention, you know, they've done so many Spider-Man re- reboots. I, I keep saying, you don't need to do with the origin story. Even if you don't read a single Spider-Man comic, you know enough about the origin. And, and the or- and I think the, the enduring origin comes in, you know, like, you know, is by knowing it, even if you've never read a single issue. And nothing yeah. can be more, like, boiled down and essential than Batman Superman. And to get them yeah. wrong in the cinema is kind of like... How can you accomplish this if everyone knows it? I, I, I thought they did Batman very well. Right. Yes. And I enjoyed watching the movie. I didn't think it was a particularly good movie, but it was mm-hmm. a fun watch. Yes, um, I, I also enjoyed watching it. Yeah. I, can't, I can't say yeah. that I, you know, when you think, when you leave the theater and think about it for a few, for a few days, I was, yeah. I, I was left with more frustrated quandaries than, you know. than. It was like a, a jigsaw puzzle of this really great picture, but it had been assembled wrong. Like mm. there were bits missing and, and ah, huge problem. Yeah. But anyway, between Batman and Superman in that film, right. um, both characters seem to be completely defined by their powers and what they do, especially Superman. And that's the problem. 
And I don't read Superman comics, and I, I don't know the character intimately over decades, as, mm-hmm. as many people no doubt do, because I'm a bit of an outsider to superheroes. Right. Um, but it's clear to me that out of between Batman and Superman, the the, the the juxtaposition between them, or the dichotomy, comes in in that one character is intensely defined by his powers, and the other one isn't. Hmm. And Superman isn't. So what's important about Superman isn't what he can do, but what he does. Right. Because he's a good man. And matter of fact, Superman doesn't even come into the equation. It's really Clark Kent that's yeah. the important thing. Um, because Clark Kent, realizing he has superpowers and growing up, from all the origin stories that I've read, except for the subversions, which the movie is a subversion, yes. and that's a whole other topic, <laughs> uh, whether or not they should have done a subversion, never yeah. mind that. Uh, when he gets superpowers, there isn't even a question. Okay, He thinks, or he seems to think every time, I'm going to help people with mm-hmm. my powers. I've got to. It does not even occur to him that it would be otherwise. Right. That's, That's what's special about Superman. That is that is Superman at his core. If you yep. read Superman, if you are familiar with Superman, I don't think that's Superman that's on display in either the Man of Steel movie or the Batman vs. Superman movie, but I know that that's, that's the understanding that we all have for what Superman is, which is, yeah. I think, funny because in his origins, when Su- Superman is kind of considered to be like one of the first superheroes, and I think he is entirely defined by his powers because he has them all. It, yeah, it, it's but almost... it doesn't matter. Right. The the what he can do doesn't matter. It, the fact that he's powerful is great, but yeah. what he does with it is what matters, and that's what defines him. That he's good for D and D players. He's a paladin. Mm, yes, that's true. If you if you ever want to understand a paladin a little more closely, you can look at Superman, mm. because for a paladin, doing the right thing and and being good and sticking to the um, to what makes a paladin isn't it? It's because in D and D, in worlds of D and D, they're the one in a million anomaly that can do it. Mm. No one else makes it, but they can. They they can live up to this ridiculous ideal, and Superman lives up to that ridiculous ideal. Yeah, he's he's the good man, and it's um, uh, the reason that's important is well for a start. Um, oh, I've lost my train. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were talking about the fact that Superman, yeah. you know, he he's. Well, he's um, it, he's an it's no accident that he's an alien, okay? Right. Because humans can't do what he does; they can only strive for it. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And, and and we're not even talking about his ability to fly or see through walls. It's it's that no. he can live up. He can actually embody the best of us. He can actually shoulder that which we all aspire to become. It's not that he isn't challenged. No, oh, no, yeah. Or, and I one thing I've said before, and I've had some people agree with me. And I don't know if longtime Superman fans will agree with me, but it's about Superman movies, and I I say that one of the key signifiers is that if you're if if Superman in your movie can only win by fighting the problem physically or with his powers, mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong. Exactly. He he overcomes by being better. Yes. By yeah. um, by being the exemplar of 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 where we project our morals and. And what a hero should be and should do, not just beating an, a big monster into submission, because that's for other heroes. Yeah, Superman is beyond that. Right. Okay. Right. Because he he. Th- what's special about Superman? What's super about him is that he is the ultimate good guy. People say the Boy Scout, but that's kind of a little diminutive. It's mm-hmm. kind of. 
I guess they say that because it's a little old timey and a little old fashioned. Yes, it's, but there's it's, always room for Superman. That's right. Uh, it's interesting. The, uh, the the moniker of Boy Scout they've always called him that, and I think uh, there's actually he he makes an appearance, uh, or rather he plays a major role at a the Justice League cartoon show from about a decade ago, and uh, somebody says you know somebody calls him the Boy Scout kind of offhandedly, and he says you know I never became I never really was a Boy Scout, and they were like what do you mean? Yeah. And he's like I never made it past my first merit badge, and you're like that's a funny ad- a, a way to address that. <laughs> that uh, that kind of like half-hearted or kind of sideways insult, because yeah. even then he manages to do it with grace, dignity, and and being above the insult. Like he doesn't turn it on on its ear. He doesn't you know jab back at anybody. He just simply said he just he just tells the truth, which is I think is one of his most defining attributes. Is that you know Superman is super in every way that counts. You know and and. While we, you know, we could have, we could definitely say like he's super in as much as he's super strong and he's super fast, but it's more that he's he's a super person. You know, he's he's mm. above um, or, or, or or terrific. You know, it's it's um, and that's that's why the other side of it. That's why Lex Luthor's so good as a is his oh, villain, yeah. <laughs> because Superman as the super person is so easy for ordinary people to resent. Yes, and that's at and the that's, core, Lex Luthor. That's that's the at the core. That's his defining attribute when it comes to his conflict with Superman. It's just that he's he's jealous, or he's or he feels diminutive in his in his wake. You know, he 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 learns the wrong lesson from Superman's example. You know, Superman exists, and he says, "You can do and be all these things if you just you know tried hard enough." <laughs> and Lex Luthor is saying, "No, what you're saying is that we'll we I already know we can never uh, like." achieve that and so you're just making fun of us does he stand for humanity luther i think luther thinks he does i think luther thinks that he is like the original humanitarian because uh, and and some people have portrayed lex luther as being a xenophobe you know he has a he has a fundamental opposition to like an a, a space alien coming to earth dressing himself in our in our in our colors wearing our outfits and sleeping with our women and uh, you know, and pretending to be That's too a man. Simple. Well, Superman, he's an alien physically, but in every other respect, he is, he's a human, an earthling, oh, an he, American. He, he's, an, he's, he's an immigrant. He's like, an, that's, yeah. I think that's the way to look at it. Like, he is, he is an immigrant. He's not like an alien. Alien implies that he is other than, whereas an immigrant means that he just came here. You know, not but, only, well, I don't think immigrant does it justice. I, I mm. think he is, uh, see, in in the vein of powers not mattering, yeah. Um, what he is, the fact that he came from outside doesn't see immigrant doesn't really work because he has no identity that came before. He was, for all intents and purposes, born on Earth. Right. He he came with a clean slate. He was raised by the Kents. He's only really known um, yeah. like a Kansas way of life, or rather, a, he doesn't a talk Kent- about the old country. No. Although yeah. I will say, you know, when he hits puberty, he has a like an interest in his in where in his origins and that's when the kents present him with his rocket ship and uh depending on which origin you follow he is given like a kind of a a reintroduction to his original birth parents in the form of holograms who give him a rich history and that's why they always it's interesting yeah because he is he is an exemplary 
you know, representation of everything that humanity can be, but they call him the last son of Krypton. They're, they're, he's inexorably tied to his origins being from another planet and this Krypton other culture. gone. There's no going back. Right, that's, that's a, true. a culture that's been eliminated, but although I'm sure go, they brought it. But if you go to his Fortress of Solitude, it is filled with nothing but cultural artifacts from a from a destroyed era, you know, from a planet that, no, that doesn't exist. Um, it's where people misinterpret the Superman character, I think. Like, I remember in 97, uh, Tim Burton was making a movie called Superman Lives, and he wanted Nicolas Cage to play Superman. And yeah, good choice. Yeah, it was... In 97, I think that would have been a good choice, because Nicolas Cage was kind of still... He didn't consider himself a parody of acting. Um, but uh, the, but the, the idea that, like, he wanted to explore this lonely, isolated, you know... Uh, melancholy character that like yeah. come from came from a doomed planet is a total misinterpretation of the superman character i think it's a oh it's maybe not uh it doesn't jive with the imagined um with the, the, the what's set deep in the culture but i think it's a good interpretation a reinterpretation it's definitely it? a reinterpretation it's one of the it's definitely tim burton Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, that's well. That's every character that Tim Burton creates. Oh, a lonely, right. melancholy man. <laughs> that's his bag. It probably yeah. might have been good. Oh, I, I, yeah. I would love to see it. Uh, John Schnepp made a documentary where he collected all the, everything about the production, and they got really far into production, into pre-production, to show yeah. us the kind of movie we could have gotten in the future. And it's like it would have been kind of neat to see. Um, but, uh, but. Getting getting to the to the original question of like what is a superhero? I I'm glad that we're talking so much about Superman because he is for all intents and purposes like the poster child for superheroes. Well, and you look at Superman and you look at Batman as right, these two were, icons. Yeah, you were talking about the movie, the Batman. But they're Superman. not the same. No, okay, the, these two characters aren't the same because Bat um, Superman isn't defined by his superpowers. Mm -hmm. Batman is. Well, he's defined by his lack of superpowers. Point. No. See, that's the trick. People keep saying that Batman doesn't have superpowers or they say, oh, he's just ready for everything and yes. they stop there. He has a superpower. This is this is one of my own hypotheses. I'm okay. just hypothesizing. I'm not tearing down people's no, ideas. No, no, no. Let's, let's, yeah. He has the most gothic superpower possible. He has superhuman obsession. Yes. He is driven. See, it's not called Gotham City by accident. Right. He is the gothic superhero yeah he needs to punish criminals he's got to do it yeah he can't not do it matter of fact the two biggest icons arguably the biggest monsters of gothic fiction both apply to batman those are the vampire and the werewolf yeah and what does a, what's a vampire do okay uh, we'll start with vampires because it it fits okay most yeah. um most neatly with batman but which one applies actually depends on bruce wayne see in a lot of um depictions of, of Batman, uh, you'll find one of two things. Either Bruce Wayne is gone, right. and it's just a facade that he puts on, mm -hmm. and he's actually Batman all the time. Or Bruce Wayne is kind of there, and he's struggling with the fact that he's, he's got this problem, that he's, he's, he's Batman. Right. And, if you, and that's generally in the, the depictions for the younger set. You get a lot more Bruce Wayne as a genuine human and not just this cipher that, that Batman operates through. Yeah. Uh, but the first, the first one, if we assume that, that for whatever reason, Bruce Wayne has been worn away by the Batman identity, and this is where identity starts to become apparent. Mm -hmm. Batman's a great example. 
then the vampire really applies because there's nothing left of the original human being. Right. Okay. And when you there's a wonderful movie called Shadow of the Vampire. Is that the Willem Dafoe uh, one? Yeah, about the making of Nosferatu. Yes. And there's this great scene. There's this wonderful scene where uh, they they're talking to him about ordinary things, and he's reading through the script as a vampire because they the premise is that they get a real vampire and film him during the making of the film Nosferatu, the right. famous uh, silent vampire film. Wonderful movie. Um, and he says, I, he, I don't remember the exact lines, but he's like, how does, how does Count Dracula know how to do this? He's been a vampire so long. How does he know how to set a table or select cheese or, or tell what, which wine is good? How, how can he know how to do this? Mm-hmm. Because he's been inhuman for so long. When you're a vampire and you've been around long enough, the period of life when you were human is so small. Right. It's like you and I remembering when we were two. Right. Not, maybe not just when we were two, a specific week when we were two. Yeah. Because the vampire has been a monster for so long or has been under that curse for so long. And it does depend on the kind of vampire that you're depicting. Yeah. But they've been under that for so long that the, the human is gone and they pretend to be human. See, if we look at Dracula, especially the films. My favorite one is Horror of Dracula from Hammer. Hmm. Hammer Studios. And Count Dracula pretends to be uh, a count. In all, all, all versions, he goes to England uh, and he... He puts on the facade of being a, a normal person in order to find new hunting grounds, basically, is right. usually the, the traditional depiction. And he has to feed on blood. He has to do it. It's like Batman. Right. Batman's to got to go criminals. out and punish criminals. He has to do it. Dracula has to go out and, and, and drink the blood. That's the curse of the vampire. This is what they have to do yeah. in order to continue their existence, and they can't not do it. Um, what happens to people who are bitten by Dracula. What happens to Lucy Westenra? Or Lucy Homewood, if you prefer. Oh, she becomes a vampire. Exactly. What happens to the criminals, or, or a lot of the criminals that that um, Batman punishes? It, even the big ones, they like the Joker, they start to become obsessed with him. Right. Oh, they, they, they take on his obsession. They, they, they get infected, don't they? And more often than not... You find that they all of their evil plans aren't so much for their gain, but, but about they want to counter with the Batman. They want to get them, <laughs> and you can read it interestingly. They just want the Batman to show up and be there. So, because in horror of Dracula and in many other Dracula films and portrayals, Lucy Westenra, when um, uh, Dracula is feeding on her over a series of nights, mm-hmm. uh, Van Helsing figures out what's going on, and he puts garlic cloves up everywhere, and he puts a silver cross around her neck. Yep. And as soon as they're gone, ah, she tears the cross off and she gets the maid servant to take all the garlic away. And she opens the, the, the balcony doors and she lies on the bed and she bares her neck, which has already got bite marks on it. Right. She wants Dracula to come and get her. She might as well be sitting in that bed with a walkie-talkie going <laughs> on, come on, rack them up, rack them up, rack them up, rack them up. <laughs> She's basically a villain of Batman at that point. Yeah. They want, the Joker wants Batman to come get him. Oh, no, no one more I, I, so than the Joker. But Batman. yeah, Joker is yeah. is infected by Batman's obsession. That's absolutely. That's a, that's a great interpretation. I like that. It's um. There's a there's a current writer for Batman. His name is Tom King, and he's uh, he's kind of taken over the the new Batman title. There's a couple of Batman titles, but this is the main title. Adjectiveless Batman, just Batman. And, uh, <laughs> and uh And he has he he's kind of like reinterpreted the concept of Batman in that. Uh, he says that Bruce Wayne is a child or as a young as a young boy, you know, like 10, because he loses his parents at 8, let's say 2, 3 years later. 
he decides mm. that he can't bear the grief of his parents' demise, so he decides he wants to kill himself. And he can't bring himself to do it. And so, more or less, the, the, the interpretation is such that Batman is his suicide, is his preferred method of, of suicide. That he's like... That's quite interesting. He's chosen to kill himself by throwing himself into the night every every you know you, every day he's chosen valor yes so he's not method. called the dark knight for nothing either oh yeah you oh see, no he, you can take you can have this entire discussion about how batman relates to chivalric knights especially of the kimrick tradition as in like the welsh arthurian tradition I should right say. um oh that'd be great <laughs> but just to get <laughs> yeah, we gotta do that <laughs> We'll do that. Maybe one day. Oh, let's finish up with Gothic. Yes, stuff. yes. Let's. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, the vampire application of. Right. Um, yeah, you were saying the, the werewolf is the other one. Werewolf's the other one. See, if if Bruce Wayne is still inhabiting that body, if he's still there and he's struggling with this second identity, which is Batman, mm -hmm. you can easily read that like a uh, in the werewolf sense, the lycanthropic sort of sense. Oh yeah, the because the all of a sudden away. Bruce Wayne is a character who's like, I can't help it. I turn into Batman at night. <laughs> it's true, and actually, the the uh, the bat signal is evocative of a full moon. Full moon, yeah, yeah. That's perfect symbolism. It's lovely. Wow, beautiful. It's All right, we just got ourselves a cool. Uh, we just got ourselves a book deal right here. Right here. <laughs> um, and you, you can read the same transmissive sort of disease if you want. Usually, you read vampires and werewolves as a sexual disease. Yeah, that's one of the popular ways of looking at these sort of curses. But you can read the exact same way because he, he, when the werewolf goes on its rampage and Bruce Wayne is no longer there, he's fully the Batman. Yes. There's nothing of Bruce Wayne left and he bites someone. He's a joker and he becomes obsessed with werewolf. And, mm -hmm. and the joker has no other identity that I know of. There probably is one. And uh, he's not, probably, no, it depends on the, on the media, but for the most part, oh, joker, it, joker is and always has been Joker. Comic strike. <laughs> well, actually, in, in, a, yeah. in a Detective <laughs> yeah. Comics issue number 400... Yeah, I mean, for the most part, <laughs> I'm it's... making fun of. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't mean to make fun of, of comic fans. I oh, read comics. You. I just don't read superhero comics. Yes, yes, exactly. 2000 AD is my bag. Yes, uh, we just actually we just received a couple of uh, a couple of uh, dread trades. We got um, oh nice. Yeah, we got a dread. Uh, it's called Dread Origins or something like that. And, yeah, uh, yeah, very good. And we got the um, we got the the full trade of all the Batman dread crossovers. That's great. Did it, does it have the Lobo crossover? Uh, that's, uh, I that's think it does bad. have the Lobo crossover in there as well. Which Lobo's interesting. Actually, just to just touch on what is a superhero. Yeah. Thing, Lobo, you might call him a superhero, superhero, whatever. He's a I, I, I think he's always been kind of referred to as an anti-hero. Yeah. But, but even then, like, he doesn't, he's not altruistic in any way. He's not, if he does accomplish any good, it's only incidentally. But he could be an answer to the question, what's your favorite superhero? You say to someone who likes Lobo, they'll say Lobo. And it's a valid answer. Hmm. But I think he could only fall into it because he's in that context. Like, he lives in a universe of superheroes. Yes. Because, see, I like him because he appeared in Judge Dredd and he was in Bob the Galactic Bum. Yeah. And he's virtually removed from the superhero comic Oh, no, context. Lobo could easily exist outside of a superhero con like yeah. context. And in, if he was, let's say he was never published by DC, if he was an independent comic character, he would probably only be seen as sort of a weird science fiction hero. And you yeah. wouldn't even think of super... Because a lot of heroes in fiction and myth have powers. This is another thing about powers. They have powers, but they're not superheroes. Right. Look at Hercules. Hercules is an example. That was my... Uh, I was going to ask, like, do you think... Do you consider Hercules to be a superhero? 
Uh, not really. He, he can be because I know he exists in both the Marvel and the DC. Universe. Well, yeah. Like, putting aside, I meant like the the act, like the mythic hero Hercules. He's in to. the roots. He he's deep in the roots. But I wouldn't consider him a superhero. He's just a hero. Mm. He is the hero. He's right. the son of Hera. That's he's hero of Hera. Um, Heracles or Hercules. Both are, both are fine pronunciation. Okay. Um, so I wouldn't consider him a superhero, but he's clearly got powers. He's got extra strength, and he struggles with his own problems, but he doesn't have an identity that he ga- engages with. He is Her- he's Hercules. Right, he's always Hercules. And he's always Hercules. Well, so- now, comics fans out there, they'll be able to point at a lot of subversions about characters who are always a thing. Right. And there's this little phrase called the exception that proves the rule. And and people struggle with it sometimes, but the basic thing is if there's no exceptions, then the rule doesn't exist. Hmm. If there's no exceptions, then what you're dealing with is actually a law. Right. And I don't mean a, a lexical law as in we make up laws and then enforce them. It's not a human kind of law. As no, a law like- as in something that will always work out in a predictable way, as in it'll happen that way all the time. Yes. Now, there's exceptions. The Phantom is a good one. Because yes. he doesn't have a, an, a secret identity. He is the Phantom all the time. Right. He has a disguise. Yeah. Which in itself is playing with uh, themes of identity and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe Luke Cage, although he was Power Man there for a while. Yeah, well, he, but just, he yeah, but he, 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 shook, he shook that off and uh, pretty, for yeah. the most part it's just, it's just Luke Cage. He's just a, just a guy. <laughs> and that's fine. So, that's fine. So let me ask you this. Uh, not, to, not to derail us even further, but... Uh, so, we we've established, or rather, we've we've touched upon the idea that there that powers don't make the hero. Pa- powers do yeah. not are not equal to superhero. Superherodom. But identity seems to play identity, a heavy maybe. role in what a superhero is. Yeah. Is it is He Man a superhero? I would always. I, I think that he, he was. I think he was built build as a superhero. I remember as a he, as a kid, I, I I considered him to be shoulder to shoulder with Superman and Batman. He is, I think, even though he is also a sword and sorcery hero and he belongs to the great canon of barbarian heroes, which is my area of expertise. Yes, it is. I... He is also a superhero. <laughs> and I think it's a there. question of uh, it's a question of identity, partly, and, and it's it be- also a question yeah. of behavior. Because he saves people virtually anonymously because of the identity thing. Right. But he, he, he saves other people. I mean, did Hercules ever do that? Yeah, he I had these great so. 12 tasks that right. he had to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe incidentally, but not uh, not outright. It wasn't uh, so. So is intent part of the superhero? Maybe. Well, intent's one thing, but what happens is more important. What you actually mm, do. What he does, as opposed to what he wants to do. Intent plays into antiheroes and all sorts of things. That's and there's true. two major. There's two major strands of antihero. There's the sort of the classical kind of antihero and the modern kind of antihero. Mm-hmm. Both are valid. And. Um, it, what you do seems to matter a little bit more. So He-Man behaves like a superhero. Someone's in trouble. Help, I'm falling out of the tree. <laughs> He-Man shows up. Mm-hmm. No problem. He saves the little kid. He does the firefighter stuff. He'll get the cat out of the tree. He'll. The fact that villains show up seems to be incidental sometimes. Yeah. You know, he prevents the volcano from blowing up and destroying the village. Right. That's that's superheroism. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a superhero is such because they are for everybody. Like Flash Gordon. Hmm. Yeah. Like the song says, like it, it says something like, um, "He's for every one of us. He'll yeah. save everyone." <laughs> you know. It, yeah. The Queen song, of course. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, maybe there's something to that about it too. 
the, the way the hero is deployed in the narrative, if you want to put it in that dry academic sort of a terms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So you can get heroes that aren't superheroes behaving like superheroes, I guess, in a superheroic way. Right. Um, do they become a superhero Dredd, then? Judge, Judge Dredd will do this, and he never becomes a superhero. I was going to say, is Dredd a superhero? I say no. No. No, he's a fascinating... He is a hero. It's arguable. He's kind of an anti-hero, but he's... he. Judges in general are anti-heroes. Dredd pushes all the way into hero territory because he will always do the right thing regardless. Of, he follows the law all the time, but when it doesn't work, he will generally do the right thing anyway, or he right. will say that. That, that, sounds, that sounds pretty right super heroic, actually. It is a little Although he bit. Although doesn't, he doesn't have an identity issue. There's no, there is no one but Dredd. Like, that's it. Matter of fact, he does. Really? He I does. Don't... No, well, not in the sense of a science, of a sort of a science fiction, or not a, not a science fiction. Secret not identity. In the sense, a secret, not in the sense of he's two people. He is only one person. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he is the icon of law, faceless, impassive, you know, and this thing I'm talking about where he does the right thing, he doesn't do it that often. It doesn't often come up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, will, he will enforce unfair laws, mm. but when something's actually unjust, mm. When it's unjust, yeah. that's when he gets involved. That's when he'll like mutants in Mega City One for for a long time. The genetic uh, laws you couldn't have this much genetic variation, or you were kicked out under the cursed Earth with you. Right. And Dredd said that's not right. Eventually, after decades of being in the comics, he said, right, you know, this law doesn't work, and he campaigned to have it changed. That happens in Origins, I think. Oh, great. <laughs> or right after Origins, I don't remember. Um, but he'll he'll do what's just. But he'll enforce still laws that are kind of unfair. Possession of sugar, like you get a few years for that, six right. months to <laughs> a couple of years. To us, that's weird. But in Mega City One, sugar is an illegal stimulant. Mm. It's like that's too mm. exciting for mega citizens. They'll go off the rails if they have sugar. Hmm. They go futsy. They get <laughs> future shock syndrome. <laughs> that reminds me a little bit of the uh, of the world of the uh, of John Carpenter's Escape From series, where it was like no red meat because it's. Uh... It's just bad for you. Yeah, so it's a, yeah. It's a Escape from New York and the like. Yeah, it? exactly. Mm. Great film. Yeah, yeah. Great. I mean, dark, intentionally dry. <laughs> you know, like there's no. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no respite from whatever's happening, and it's and it's just, you know, they just set the camera I've down. Got... And they're like, here's what's happening. Something just hit me, Sal. Okay, let's hear it. Let me just hit me. The identity thing, it's clearly not enough. Otherwise, people would surely herald the Scarlet Pimpernel as the <laughs> earliest super- I mean, certainly people could say, I mean, you know, that, that's the thing. Because that- that's, that's a secret identity thing. But yeah. he's not for everyone. He doesn't act like a superhero. He goes and rescues French aristocrats from, you know, during the reign of terror. Yeah. In the French Revolution. Right. Or like, is Zorro a superhero, you know, because... Well, he's a forerunner from Zorro. Like, he... Scarlet Pimpernel influenced Zorro definitely and Batman definitely. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Zorro, so I don't know if he's a super. He might be. Yeah, I, th- I mean, he he champions the, the the downtrodden and he wears a mask. He's an identity. He, you know, he he has a. I I think that part of the superhero is also you need to have branding. So I mean, he has that. <laughs> yep. Branding tights. You have to be drawn a certain way. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that I think it depends on, uh, but you need branding. I mean, like it doesn't have to necessarily be tights, but it has to be you have a you have a, a an insignia of some kind that. Yeah, it's a visual signifier, very important, and not just for like cynical sales stuff. No, exactly. Because comics is visual. Yeah. And you you have to be able to tell at a glance what's what's going on. Precisely. 
as flash as the art might get, you still have to be able to read it like that, as yeah. good art generally in this sort of field can do. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, the best as kind of Star- comic you can you don't even need the words. You should be able to just see what's happening without having to yeah. to read what's happening. Although I I am a bit of a champion of the old days of the caption. Mm. Um See, I, I read some old comics and I thought, ah, oh, I'm not going to like this. You know, it's a bit old hat. It's before my time. I'm mm-hmm. not going to enjoy it. Some old Captain America or old, um, not Captain America, the earliest Inhumans, because the Inhumans are my favorite Marvel thing. It's interesting. I, I remember watching one of your old videos and I remember us having a conversation about how you weren't a big fan of superhero comics. And then I noticed you were wearing an Inhuman shirt. And I said, oh. Yeah. But Inhumans are not superheroes. So I'm sure you were probably <laughs> more inclined yeah, it's to enjoy very- them. Isn't it very interesting? The Inhuman, they're in a, they see. I, I have a bias towards DC's flavor. Yes, and well, I could see why and, and tone of the DC universe as I've seen it. Well, DC is all about mythology. And, yeah, and I thought the Inhumans were the most DC-like thing in Marvel. Yes. Well, there's no so mistaking they, there because Jack Kirby they gave off a lot of them. That, so. so. And Jack Kirby helped create uh, in DC. He created the New Gods in DC, which was like a like a kind of new uh, kind of g- g- like alternative to Greek or Roman mythology. And that's an interesting idea. Any trans and that's that's over DC. I think you'd really love the New Gods. Um, but, I might do. Isn't uh, Darkseid involved in that? Darkseid is like the devil of the New Gods. But yeah. Oh, keen. So I think I, didn't I, know yeah, that. I think you'd love it. Um, See, I like Darkseid. He looks great. He's a, he's a brilliant design. I'm I'm actually kind of disappointed with what they did with him now. They gave him like more armor. You know, it's like his skin. No. Is the, his skin is the worst armor. He, he wears a tunic. You know, <laughs> so the worst thing you can do with certain heroes is put armor on them. That that, that especially the Hulk. Did I rant? Did I rant about this when we spoke? No, no, I don't think so. The Hulk, everybody. If you put armor on the Hulk, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. See, I, I looked into the Hulk a fair bit because he's related to the barbarian hero fairly strongly, especially oh. through comic connections through Slain from 2000 AD, which have... reaches all the way back to the Irish hero, Cuchulain. Okay. Who would have this battle rage in his body. Oh, Cuchulain, yeah. <laughs> he would twist around in his skins, uh, inside his skin so that his shins faced backwards and his calves faced forwards. A huge gout of blood would come spurting from his head. One eye would recede into his skull, the other one would flop out onto his cheek, and he would yell broadly and his lungs would flap about in his mouth. And he would wade into battle like this. And the artwork in the Slain comics is just as it's described. It's It's called a warp spasm, Mm. and it's wonderful. And the Hulk is sort of a reflection of this kind of idea. It plays Jekyll and Hyde, so it it has sort of gothic or semi-gothic kind of influences, literary influences. But it also has these mythic influences. But putting armor on the Hulk is a stupid idea because the most valuable and significant thing about the Hulk is his body. And if you look at artwork featuring barbarian heroes, you see bodies. Yes, you're you mostly seeing. Yeah, he's. They wear about as much as a female uh, character in World of Warcraft. Like they, they have. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just basically well, because you're seeing what, as as you put it, uh, the muscularity. Yeah, look at the muscularity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you have no choice because it is presented in such a way. But what does it signify? Okay, well, you look at a barbarian hero, whether they're male or female. You look at the artwork of Boris Vallejo, his Red Sonja is beautiful. You see these wonderfully presented bodies. And they have connotations that are match identically with that presented by bodybuilding, yeah. by the bodybuilders, as in uh, naturalness, 
wildness, a little bit of wildness. Uh, ironically, you'll note because uh, bodybuilding requires a monastic lifestyle, yeah. <laughs> regimentation. But symbolically, these things uh, represent naturalness and wildness and invulnerability in and prowess. Right. In the, in the natural world, if you were to loose a, a yeah. pure man into it, he would come out an Adonis. Like he'd just, yeah. he, just by virtue Tarzan. of his... Yeah, Tarzan. Tarzan is a beautiful example of this. Um, but they have this invulnerableness about them because they don't need your constructed systems of, of life and living and or the literally constructed systems of armor right. or chivalry, the things that you live by. They don't need it. And they come from outside and they're not like us. And who else comes from outside and isn't like us? Superman. Mm -hmm. He's, we're coming back around to that. But the Hulk. So if you put armor on the Hulk, you make him seem weaker. Yeah. That's like, and you can put armor on on Conan. He wears armor all the time in the stories, but most of his most significant appearances, he has a loincloth, yes, a sword, and virtually nothing else. And in the the very famous um, Frank Frazetta painting, the Barbarian, he, that is the picture of the Barbarian. That one picture, yeah, influenced um, how you see and perceive barbarians right up to this day and well beyond. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but if you, you put a load of armor on them and say this is a barbarian, then they seem weaker because he needs this armor. What, what's going on? All yeah. of a sudden, he needs to lean on civilization. He's not this wild man. Right. And the Hulk, strongest one there is. Nothing can hurt him. What has he got this armor on for? Well, because I, I tried to play um, Marvel 2015, I think it was called, on Steam a while back. And one of the loading screens had Hulk in this science fiction armor. Yes. And I said, he looks like a goober. Yeah. He's... He's not the strongest one there is. That armor is. It's, He's wearing this armor. The the um the, there's actually a story. Uh, it's called absolutely undermines. Yes. undermines the entire. Well, it undermines what he is, and that's symbolism of the physique. Yeah. It, thankfully, in the story Planet Hulk, he is marooned on a war torn planet, and Heard of this. having and having uh, traveled through the wormhole, it weakens him, and so he needs to ah. re and so he needs to rebuild his strength. And so while he's in a weakened state, they embed like a like a, a an obedience disc into his flesh and they force him to fight alongside other warriors in a gladiatorial arena. And mm. so for a time, he is forced to wear armor, not necessarily even because he needs to wear it to protect himself, but more for the cameras because the Red King has uh, used propaganda and yeah. the, and and the uh, the arena as a way of like maintaining control. Uh, yeah, but, that's but, perfect. But as the Hulk uh, faces larger and more fearsome uh, uh, obstacles, he loses the armor and his strength returns until finally it, it's it's just the Hulk you know, where it's it it is a barbarian warrior where he is he's wearing naught but a loincloth. Mm. And uh, yeah. I I think you did, I think you did that story too, but. Uh, it's uh, even, yeah. Even when Conan is in armor, in if you read the novels, the stories by Robert E. Howard, and and some others don't do it as well, but some some do it fine. Um, he he might wear armor. He'll have a breastplate, and he'll be going into battle when he's king of Aquilonia, of course. Mm. In the text, the armor doesn't matter. It's his body that matters. That's what's described. He moves like a panther. He has steel spring muscles. Um, just wonderful, yeah. wonderful text. And it's, it's the same with the Hulk, as you just described, where he starts shedding that bit of civilization. Civilization seems to have tried to take him over in that yes. instance of the story. I haven't read it. And oh, he you, starts shedding. I think you love it. And he it's, starts it's to become cool. the Hulk. 
Um, That's why he hates puny Banner. Yes. Well, Banner Banner wants to control him, wants to contain him. Yeah. Well, Banner needs civilization to exist. He's a weak man. He had to learn science and and order and, and... and strive after like natural philosophy, I guess you call it. Oh yeah, just just by virtue of the fact that he wears fact. glasses, you know. Yeah, he, he needs perfect sig- signifier. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, and of course it brings it back to Superman. Um, when they when they redesigned Superman for the new Fifty Two, when they uh, when they rebooted everything, terrible because they got rid of the super briefs. They got rid Those of the super the briefs, best. which they still got rid of. They've they've brought back. They since fixed most of Superman, but the briefs remain. Do they? Off. Do they think it's too quaint? They do. The, do they think the briefs are too quaint? They, uh, they're wrong. I, the thing is that they're always comic book creators and and editors in particular are always trying to get ahead of the criticism. It's why uh, when they whenever anybody tries to reboot or relaunch or retell yeah. a story about Aquaman, they always have to have him be be a real big badass right up front. So you you forget about all the jokes that people have made at Aquaman's expense over the last de- like 25 30 years. It just makes it look like he's trying too hard. Exactly. Ben. That's a terrible idea. And with Superman, I like they, Aquaman. I, Aquaman's a cool guy. He's a, he's he's regal, he's powerful. He's he, a king. He is he's a king. He has he is a, a, a an equally powerful woman warrior at, at his side who has way cooler powers. Um yeah. he's just an interesting character overall. But with Superman, when they rebooted everything, <clears throat> they took away his legacy. They took away his, his they, they, they introduced doubt. They made him a little younger, but more, but more to the point, they gave him what they called Kryptonian battle armor, which is just ah! his, which is just his <laughs> Superman suit, but with like special like intricacies to argue that no, the Superman suit is armor that the Kryptonians wore into battle. Why he does he need armor? need armor? His skin even is his Batman. armor. Like even Batman shouldn't have an armor. And this pisses me off in every Arkham game because they keep piling armor. Oh, they give him more and more. Like he's he's basically be wearing a Batmobile in the next one. Like it's and just when I tried to play Arkham Origins and oh no, no bat briefs. I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't. I'm all cod piece or no cod piece. That's right. Basically, and it, it doesn't it doesn't work visually. No. See, because the body matters in superheroes. They go, they go for a heroic physique. That's why they wear the spandex. That's why they're drawn that way. Because exactly. you have to see this physique that isn't like yours. It's a little bit uncanny. Not Maybe not all the way barbarian bodybuilder Conan mm-hmm. uncanny, but it's just a little bit canny. This person is exceptional. Yes. That's what you have to be able to read. This is an exceptional person. Look look what they're doing. They're doing good yeah. with these weird powers, maybe. <laughs> maybe, um, yeah. That's, a su- that's how you tell a superhero. That. Uh, it just... Um, oh, I forget what I was on. Oh about. yeah, we were uh, we were talking about how uh, I I mentioned the the Kryptonian battle armor and how uh, oh, Superman's yeah. skin is wow. his armor and now, yeah, and they drop the briefs and it it's you know it's... Superman has great vulnerabilities. Yes, and Crypt- Kryptonite's one and the one of them and the most boring. Um, and it's he's also vulnerable to magic, which I love. Yes. But they, are they introducing other vulnerabilities to him, like personal ones? So as I see in the film, mm-hmm. uh, Batman v Superman, he has some personal vulnerabilities and doubt, which the core of the character doesn't really have. The the character, the paladin, the Superman, the yeah, super they don't person doubt does, their mission. does the right thing. You know, yeah, he runs into difficulties, but he overcomes yes. by being better and not by bashing it. When, uh, when uh, they rebooted Superman, they made him yeah. younger and they kind of... 
they said, okay, well, this is like a newer Superman who's kind of not sure about his 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 way, and he will eventually find the right thing, but he needs to stumble. Um, the, they got the rid of him. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. They, they got they got rid of him. They killed him. Oh. And oh, what? Yeah, and replaced him with the original Superman. It's a long okay. story, Oop. but the point is they Tweet. brought back the old Superman, and during his absence, he and Lois Lane have a child, and so when they return, Superman is back. He is wearing a suit that is made of cloth, so that when he's like attacked by bullets, you know the 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 suit will fall away, but he is still he still remains, and yeah. his vulnerability is in his fatherhood. It's not necessarily even a vulnerability. He considers it to be a strength, but the weakness, like the conflict, because the, the issue is like the invention of kryptonite, the invention of magic is just how do we now introduce conflict to a character that we've essentially made invo like invincible in every way. He's, he does the right thing. He always knows what's best. And he's also, he can jump and he can fly and he's invulnerable and he can see through things and shoot lasers out of his eyes. Like he's, he is, there's nothing you can, there's nothing that can stop him. Uh, but Zatanna can stop him. Oh well, yeah, well, because magic. Of magic. <laughs> but uh, but now instead of it always having to be like another magic character shows up to fight Superman, now it's his son like needs him or uh, he. I like that. It's cool, and his son has powers as well, and it, it, his son is uh, thirteen, I think. So it's it's just a right on the cusp of manhood. It's a lot of it, it's a it's a great romp, and it's it's some of the best Superman stories that are that have been written in the last ten years because it's just that's the the best way you could get uh, vulnerability into Superman is personal vulnerability. Exactly. You make you don't you don't introduce. He's not doubtful of the mission. He's not doubtful of his abilities or his or his calling or in humanity itself. You know, his doubt is, am I doing enough? Or am I doing the, like, am I doing right by my son? Am I doing right by my wife? Am I, you know... Am I creating the kind of world these people should have? Yeah, I and now he's starting to think, not necessarily in, I'm going to be around forever, but I'm creating a world that my son will have. Like, not that he'll take over and rule, hopefully, but, like, you know, a, a, son that my, a world that my son will inherit, you know, that he'll have to live in and probably have to defend. So, Batman probably would rule the world eventually if he was immortal. Yes, if he lived long enough, he would probably become a terrifying dictator. Have you, have you ever read Kingdom Come? I think I have. Is that the one with this amazing panel with um, the art? Uh, the if, art's I'm like thinking the right thing. The art's it's painted. Gorgeous. Yes. Uh, this amazing panel of Superman. I think he's defeated. He's fallen back, and um, Captain Marvel is standing over. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful yes, panel, but I've forgotten all about the story. Well, it, it's in the, it's it in the future. Younger. The idea is that uh, the superhero, like Superman, is challenged by the new generation of superheroes, and he learns that the world kind of prefers it, so he backs I away. I remember this. I remember they the world no longer wanted his kind of soft gloves sort of yeah exactly justice anymore. That weren't they? Was it Gog or Magog? It's Magog. Yeah, Magog. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And, and they 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 slay criminals. They don't give them that's the right. second chance. That's right. These are these superheroes great because they don't infect. That's they're right. non-infective vampires, basically. Yeah. They, who they're like uh, maggots cleaning a wound. Mm. That's what they are. They're not vampires, parasite who create more of their own kind. That, they... that feed. 
of their own kind. They 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 clean the wound. Okay. Yeah. And they let the world heal theoretically. That's that's the, I'm sure that well they would appreciate that kind of press, but uh, yeah. Uh, but as you as you pointed out, like Batman is the only one that's still in action, and he has created a police state in Gotham. I remember that. And there's that. Does he have robots. He has robots. He has, he has, he has like... big. He has, he has bat bots, which I think are people in them, but I don't know. It's kind of unclear as to whether he has agents in those suits or if they're just robots. But I think they're robots because I don't think Batman would trust anyone else with the mission. <laughs> what about the Bat family? His, his good. Oh, what about them in the context context of the vampires? Should say like the Robins. Mm. Are they the brides of Dracula? Are they infected oh, in yeah. different way? Oh, because yeah. Dracula's got these brides in his castle. Right, he's mm -hmm. got three of them. These vampires that he's made, um, and he keeps them around. But yeah. they, he's still, even if Robin goes all the way and gets his own identity as Nightwing as he does, and yes. becomes a, a full fledged vampire who must feed on criminals mm -hmm. he is still dominated in every way by batman yes he'll always live in batman's shadow always until batman is destroyed yeah but what happens see in, in a lot of vampire fiction there's this established thing where if you destroy the master vampire if you mm -hmm. will it doesn't free the lesser vampires it destroys them too well in in the context so, of of the stories yeah. and maybe there's something we can extrapolate from there but like uh batman is more or less destroyed by dark side in fact and, oh, is he? Yes. Well, he's not destroyed, but he's sent through time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, for all intents and purposes, he dies. Let's say that he's yeah. taken off the table, and everyone, for the most part, believes that he's gone. As a, as a result, Nightwing immediately becomes Batman. Oh, okay. And becomes his own Batman. And in fact, during that story, Batman has a, Batman actually has a son, and it's at that point that Nightwing makes Batman's son Robin. Ah. Uh. There's a whole essay that could be done here about the vampiric parallels of all yeah. this. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. Metafictional even. And there's, because I think we a have trilogy. two kinds of vampire. Yeah. I think there's a trilogy of Batman books called Batman Vampire, in which Batman legitimately becomes a vampire. <laughs> I might have read that when I was young. It was an Elseworlds book. I have no doubt you probably picked it up because uh, I Elseworlds books that... were very big. In, uh, <laughs> with, that uh, might be the, the story when I... I I got so far into it and just had to put it down because I think Robin started throwing Robin orangs or something. Oh yeah, these little projectiles shaped like R's. And I oh thought, yeah, that's what are you doing? That's uh, <laughs> I'm not reading the rest of this. Yeah, I, as a kid, I got to tell you, I was really I, I loved Robin. I don't know. I, well, that's I guess too... because it works. You know, that's the idea. Like Robin was created it's silly enough. Well, Robin's Batman's created to be the the the, the ride along character. I'm I'm a I'm I'm a child. I can't imagine I'm Batman, so I'll be Robin, which is of course absurd because. Every kid who likes a hero is, I think, outright rejects the, like, child character. You know, like, whenever there's every a... Every time. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, every time they bring in, the, you know, they bring in, like, a young, like, hip character that's going to... Anakin know, Skywalker, a great example. Ugh, yeah, well, that's... No one wants to be him. Nobody wants to be Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, at any point. But, um, but yeah, Jake no... Not even wants to be him anymore. Hmm? Not even Jake Lloyd wants to be him anymore. No. Oh yeah. Well, oh. I mean, he, when he goes to Ruined conventions, I'm sure he'll he'll take the forty dollars yeah. or whatever it costs. But uh, yeah. but yeah, no, the, the brides of Dracula, man. I like that idea that all the Robins are brides of Dracula. He has, and he's had five over over the over the seventy five years or whatever of his history. One died. One died at some point. There's been a girl one or two. Yes. Uh, yeah. One died. He's back. They brought him back, which is like frustrating. But uh, he's become his own character. The people people have really accepted him. I I'm I'm a purist. I'm an old school fan. I like the idea of there being a dead Robin. I like the idea that like 
you know, I, I'm a traditionalist. Too. I'm a traditionalist. I like the idea that you know Batman had a Robin. That Robin grew up and grew out of it, and the other Robin he got in haste, and then he and he paid the price for his hubris. Like I like that idea, but uh, that's good character stuff. Exactly. That's that's a defining attribute for for Batman. It's like with Spider Man. You know, he learns the lesson with great power comes great responsibility, right? Then mm-hmm. he uses that great power to try and rescue his girlfriend, and she and he kills her, and you learn that it's not like great power is not enough. You know, like it's, you have to, you have to deepen your lesson. You can't just go by the mantra of your dead uncle's like pithy one sentence, you know, lesson. You have to go deeper. You have to learn how to be a real hero. You can't just say, I have powers. It's my responsibility to use them. It's your responsibility to use them responsibly. You know, it's- I think we might've been onto something when we were talking earlier about, um, what a hero, what yes. a superhero does is, is what makes them a superhero. Yeah, what they do. For everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, because a hero, uh, speaking traditionally, a hero is just a, a literary position for a character to occupy. Yeah. They're not obliged to to um, do F the right. Or oh, not, not obliged to save everybody. Superheroes kind of do, and I think that's what makes a superhero. Yeah. Is that the, they'll, whatever their thing is, they'll strive to, to, uh, uh, rescue people save people if there's a disaster that i'll handle this yeah they get into their gear and off they go um as best they can so i I think batman's fascinating because he has to do it he has no choice that's right superman's fascinating because he chooses to do it when he could do anything that's right he could rule and and he chooses instead to 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 serve yeah yeah uh, that's interesting that's my issue with uh with the movie supermans because he doesn't save, you know, he, he, he choose or his, his op, the way he, the way about he chooses to save people <laughs> is, re- Oh, do I gotta? Yeah. It, it's oh, reluctant. Okay. It's reluctant. And also like, I, instead of, did you ever see Superman returns? Yeah. I loved Superman returns because, you know, the, 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 the ground is, is coming out from underneath, uh, Metropolis. And so Superman spends like a good 20 minutes just rescuing everyone he possibly can. In every way that. he can. I love that scene. Um, he, he, there's a the, the opening scene where he, uh, I guess it's near the start. I don't know if it's open. Oh, where he saves where the, he plane. the plane. Perfect. And he gets on the plane and, everybody all right? Be good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I hope this hasn't taken you off this, travel. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of travel. thing. I, that's, that's proper supermanning yes. as far as I understand it. Traditional. Um, and the reaction is, who is this clown? The, the people on the plane are like, what? He's nothing like us. No one would act this way. Yeah. He takes no glory in his, his heroism. Right. People, we put him there, okay? He's a superhero because we decide he is. Yeah. Or the people of, of Metropolis or DC world yes. decide that he is, is he is this thing. He, he just does what he does. But that's my point. Like, that's why I like Superman because he is, he he's not, it's not that he's being corny. It's that he's telling the truth. Like, Yep. That's just who he is. He's not trying to do anything. He is. Doing I guess. It. Uh, I guess we've come back to the '90s again. Oh yeah. In our current era, because in the mid '90s, uh, we didn't want that kind of Superman. Uh, oh we no. Wanted, I mean, we that, wanted, uh, the '90s ushered in Kingdom Come, where we we were shown, and actually, it Kingdom Come is was written as kind of a critique on where superhero comics were going, because you know, for the most part, the books that sold were you know, gun-toting, giant, bicep like, uh, monsters who, <laughs> who wore, <laughs> who wore uh, you know, costumes that weren't really even costumes. They were more fatigues. 
and yeah. they had words like blood or blow in their in their in their monitors. I remember Shatterstar. Shatterstar, who who His attacked rapists by shattering their spines. Oh no, Shatterstar is the one. I was thinking of Shadowhawk. Shatterstar yeah. is the the ninja or. Yeah, well, whatever. he had some weird sword that wasn't drawn properly. Yeah, <laughs> well, that was because Rob the best was the best thing to come out of that era was Spawn. Yeah, I say the Spawn, movie was all Spawn is Spawn the is movie's garbage, but the the did you watch the show ever? No, I never did. I only read a couple of the comics. It was all right. The but comics visu- are better. Visually, what a great design! Yes, Spawn is so striking. Where all of those other ones that we just sort of talked about failed because they they look a bit weird and Cable looks rubbish. Yes, and. Well, he's and, just he's just too busy. Right. There's just that's it, the problem. A, he's overcomplicated. It's a costume, but it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it you doesn't know, represent. It has anything. no significance. Superman, significant costume. Batman, significant costume, and not just as a legacy. Yeah, but as a as a um, as a costume that's designed to get in your imagination and get in your mind. It works in a way that those other ones don't. Spawn works like that. He does, and it, it's funny because the the longer he lasted, the more complicated his costume got. You know, they kept adding stuff to him, just more chains. More <laughs> cape. More spikes. Yeah, they, oh, that cape got longer and longer, but that's that's just because McFarlane loved drawing capes. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, the spawn, but at the at the core, and it's funny because, you know, uh, a lot of these characters, the characters that they were pushing back in the 90s and even maybe today, their con- their origins are, ne- are needlessly complicated. You know, Superman, Doomed Planet, Kindly Couple... Last hope. That's your that's your story. Batman was Spawn a, was Spawn a complex cat because I never got into his origin. No, right? his See, origin I'm, is his origin is he's a soldier who sure. was who was betrayed, and when he went before to we hell, go, his the, before the, we go on that, I should make clear that when I say Spawn is the best thing, from <laughs> you don't that necessarily period, mean I'm not. I I haven't read it. I'm just sort of talking visually that he yes. worked in a, in a very because when you look at him, I say I want to read that. Yeah, I want to know more. Yeah, and, and I watched the movie and it was terrible, and I didn't want to know him anymore. No, that's that's the problem. Is that movie was well, that movie was a was a mistake. But uh, the clown was at, good. At the core, the comic is very interesting because it it gives you enough of the origin for you to be hooked and mm. to understand the premise, but it doesn't give you all the information so that you keep coming back. Uh, yeah. it, it eventually got away from itself. It was like chasing the dragon, but like with uh, with respect to spawn you know it's a soldier who dies he goes to hell he meets the devil the devil says i let, you know you want to see your wife again you work for me and so he does and he and of course the devil being a trickster is like oh you you got to see her but that's all you get and now you have to like now you have to come back and be a soldier in my army you know that's and the guy says and he says no you know that's the story and it's yeah. just what happens when this guy who refuses to die even when he's a walking corpse you know what? What kind of journey that 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 uh, that befalls him? And it's like that's a kind of neat, especially because around the, that around that time it was, it was it was uh, striking the right chords with a lot of uh, you know speculating comic book fans. But at the at the core, it, it's it's a, just a simple premise that you can kind of get. Like I, oh, I mm. get that, and I'm I don't. It's needlessly complicated, or it's it's unnecessary. It's it's need it's uh it is not needlessly complicated. Like you mentioned, cable cable is like. Only complicated. <laughs> He's a dude from the future who did a thing. Yeah, I've got a question. <laughs> did is, a thing. Yeah, is Spawn a superhero? Does he behave like one? Because I don't no. know. Or does he operate on his own agendas? He is, he, he, he is entirely self-serving. Um, yeah. but he gets he he has shades of superheroism. Uh, oh. 
he, he has superpowers. He has and superpowers. He looks like one. So he, he co-opts some of the signifiers of the superhero. Yes, but even and then, look there's him, a, think he's a but even then, there's a neat premise where it's he has superpowers, but they're finite, and when he uses them yeah, all up, he I dies. I remember that they every couple of panels in the comic. I yeah, they show the clock. Yeah, now, how much power he used. By the way, that that premise can only last fifty issues because after fifty, he goes to hell, and then he has to. They have to come up with another reason for him to come back, and it's. Oh, that's fine. It. I mean, it worked, but it was just like, okay, I see what happened here. <laughs> like you, you didn't know what you were gonna do, and so we we we're, we're here now. Um, yeah. yeah but uh, in... but when when Spawn first arrives, you know, he's protective of the other homeless people in the alley that he resides in. But that's mm. that's really, and he's protective of his of his wife. But for the Very most good. part, that's kind of it. Like he's well, he can't go around wasting that power. Like that's, oh shit, there's there's a plane crashing over there. Oh gee, should oh gee. No, he's oh, he doesn't save anybody. In fact, usually he can't makes waste the oh, when, when he does get involved, he usually makes things worse. Ugh. which is that's kind good. of funny. That's that's typical nineties. Oh yeah, nihilism. Yep, that's well. It, it, like, there's a story where he uh, he catches a child predator, and oh, Billy Kincaid. Billy Kincaid. I, yeah, you got I read it. that. That's the one I read. That's a that's a crazy book uh, with some of the most graphic imagery I'd ever seen as a child at that point. Um, but uh, but he you know he slaughters Billy Kincaid, then drops him off at the at the police station. The the cops get fired as a result of what happened, and. It just it just downward spirals from there. You know, it was just like Spawn thought, "This is what I do. I, I murder the bad guy. Here it is, and then I give him to the people <laughs> who are looking for him." Like that's not how that works, man. You. <laughs> I bet that would have worked for some of the other characters we might have been discussing. Oh yeah, I mean, not Batman, but certain Spider-Man captures. He catches. Spider-Man captures. Uh, but some of the other '90s characters who were trying to run as far as they could away from the squeaky clean superhero. Oh, Punisher, for example. Punisher, maybe I don't know. I don't know. I, Punisher, Punisher, I feel like he seems to have been handled with a bit of class. Yes, but maybe the likes of Shatterstar or whoever breaks spines. Oh, that was uh, Shadowhawk. Yes, Shadowhawk. Maybe if he did that, it would have been yeah, yeah. Solve the problem. Exactly. <laughs> roll credits. <laughs> Solve the problem. Roll credits. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. So well, and it's interesting. Why? Why do you think? that uh, one of the defining characteristics of modern superheroes or of classic superheroes is that they don't kill. Well. I know that a lot of them do, but like, or, or why um, do they avoid it as, as much as possible? Because people are uncomfortable with, um, it might have to do with the audience, of course, and it's difficult to, uh, oh, let me think for a moment. It might not be so easy to come up with a straight answer. Here. Yeah, because it, it like it could. Be... I was going to say, I was going to say, people are a bit uncomfortable with extremes of violence. Now they find it satisfying. Yeah, I mean, look at television. But do they <laughs> do they fantasize about committing these extreme violence? And, and that's they kind of do because many people hold Conan as a as a a hero that they fantasize about, myself included. Judge Dredd, of course, no stranger yeah. to very extreme. Oh, uh, very extreme violence yeah. being called for. Although I, I can imagine um, in the world of Conan, like due process is really kind of uh, an anti. <laughs> yeah. a far off notion. Yeah. Like you have to kill your opponent, or else you'll be killed. You know, it's it's. When it comes down to it, he always tries to do due process first. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I just no, assumed he... that he was just like, nah, just kill the bad guy. Oh my friend, you are in for some stuff then. Because yeah, my if my exposure to Conan is literally just the the movie. 
Are we talking about Dread or Conan? Oh, I was talking about Conan, but yeah, I know Judge. Oh, I, I, I know Dread. Is... Dread. Oh, oh no, Dread. Dread. Yeah, Dread Mike. always gives them the shot. Dread's yeah. Huge. No, Conan is very much kill or be killed. Okay. Because that's that's what he represents: survival and the capacity to survive. Mm. That's the difference between him and the knight in the chivalric sort of sense, or any kind of chivalric hero that operates on a system, superheroes included, yeah. um, is that he is free to do it and he will feel uh, no no shame in having done so because right. that's the world he lives in. And we all that's the fantasy of Conan, and that, that he has the capacity to affect the world himself. He doesn't need permission. He doesn't need systems to help him do it. He doesn't need the technology beyond a sword, and even then he really only just needs his body. And that's why the body is so important, and that's why it's framed visually right in the center or very prominently on, on art that, that deals with barbarian heroes and in fiction that deals with barbarian heroes. The body is the focal point because that's where the character is and that's what matters. Mm. Not the constructed things, not the armor. He better have his armor because armor on a knight really just represents uh, the system they live in in a mm. visual sense. It protects them. Otherwise, they're just human. Yeah. They're just they're just men. They put armor on and they take on another identity. So you can you can tie that into superheroes as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Conan well, is it, free free of such fetters. Yes. <laughs> is uh, so is, is, does Dread have is is because you know they don't show his face. Dread is the system. So so that's why like it's not necessarily it's that he's wearing breaks. armor. It's that he is wearing. The like the system He's that wearing the law. Yeah, I am the law. law. This is catchphrase. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I'm familiar. Yeah. I I don't know if you know this. There's a little movie starring Sylvester Stallone in which he said it every five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? What'd yeah. you think of the Stallone movie versus like? Well, uh, uh, you know, I'm not as down on it as people might expect, and I certainly don't blame Stallone. The story I mean, was terrible. Yeah. The they adapted the wrong thing, and. And um, visually, I thought it was really good. It looked like Mega City 1 in the comics yeah. looks. And I, I thought Stallone looked fine. I thought the costume was pretty good. I thought the armor was pretty good. It, I, was, I was pretty impressed. It, um, in 95, it, it, it was recognizably Judge Dredd. And I thought it was, it, 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 for 1995, it was pretty good. And I don't think Stallone was poorly cast. Yeah. People seem to blame Stallone. No. And I'm not but... sure why they blame him. Because from what I'd read in interviews with Stallone, he'd read the comics. Yes. He and, did, it, I and, think it's because he wanted to be it so badly that he made it come, yeah. to, come to fruition. Like it was his his clout made Dread possible. What I what I read, I think, it was an interview, or maybe it was just apocryphal, but whatever. He went up to the director of the production. He said, "This guy Dread doesn't take his helmet off. I better I better leave the helmet on." And they're like, "No, we paid whatever billion million for you. We're going to use your face, Stallone." Yes. And I, you know, I kind of understand where they're coming from because Stallone costs a lot of money. You put yeah. him in a movie, doesn't show his face. Maybe people aren't going to show up. And, well, people didn't show up anyway. The movie didn't show up. <laughs> show up anyway, it's true. I saw it in theaters, but, but that's, that's... The Angel thing. Gang was very good, particularly Mean Machine Angel, yeah. the fellow with the giant robot arm. Mm -hmm. In terms of visuals and behavior, he as spot on as you could get in a film from the comics. Yeah. Just, just great. Just th this is we're 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 off we're off topic, but I just have to ask anyway. You think? Have you ever wanted to see Judge Death appear in movies, or is or is it just too fantastic? No, it's. I think you should embrace the fantastic virtually immediately. If they were going to make a sequel to Dread from 2012, yeah. One of my suggestions, one of the major things you could do is go supernatural, just go right into it because that's a strong part of Dread. 
is a supernatural. And people are surprised that it's a, that there, that there's a supernatural aspect to dread. But it's true. Like dread has two great arch enemies, all right? That I, as far as I see it, his two biggest ones, as, as far as I see it, are P.J. Maybe, who is a notorious serial killer, mm-hmm. and Judge Death, and he's a ghost. Right. So, with such a like a major villain, you've you can't just throw him in there, or you could just throw him in there, but you can't just throw him in there and not highlight the, the weird supernatural stuff about him. Yeah, the, the, the he's, oh, sorry. he's dead. He's right. a ghost, for God's sake. <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, the, the the and I don't think I, I think the 2012 Dread movie was trying to go for a like gritty real interpretation. Yeah, so I think it'd perfect. be I think that'd be great. It'd be a great left field. Holy shit! There's a ghost in this movie kind of moment. It was it, it was a really really good film. Yeah, really good, and you because it matched the tone of many Dread stories just perfectly. Mm-hmm. It was um. Well made, well acted, didn't overreach, didn't try to be Hollywood, and people call it the Holly, a Hollywood dread movie. And it, it was really because it it's, was a, it's, a, it's a UK film. It was shot in South South Africa. Yeah, it feels it, it it's evocative for cinephiles like me. It's 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 a it's evocative of like the old of like old seventies exploitation flicks. Like it's just a just we have a we have about we have about six hundred squibs and we're going to use them. You know that kind yeah. of thing. Like it's got this this one location. We can make like three sets. Exactly. They just they built like one hallway and then just used it twelve times. It's great. It's such a. It's tight. It's good. Yeah. The I, characterization is great. It it establishes supernatural stuff. I know. Uh, sci, uh, psychic. psychic powers. Yeah, that's that's, but they, that's even well embedded in science fiction. But right. the, the psychic powers are what they use to combat Judge Death. Oh, that's cool. See, because when you destroy his body, um, he comes out as a spirit and. Zogs off. Well, um, not to give too many spoilers here. No, sure, sure. Judge, I mean, Judge it's been a while. I think Judge Dredd's been a while. We've been around for a bit. Side, side Judge Anderson traps um, Judge Death in her mind, oh. and then they uh, seal her up in this gel substance called Boing, and um, they put her on display in the the museum at the Hall of Justice, and that's where she stays for a long while until the sequel. Oh wow! Yeah, in in the comics. Until Shit. the the next Judge Death story. That's awesome. And she she arguably more than Dread himself is Judge Death's arch nemesis. Hmm. Maybe because normally she's... they, with the Dark Judges, you destroy the body somehow, whatever way, force them to come out, and then you you catch them. With they started using suction traps because apparently ghosts are vulnerable to that. They exist as kind of a vapor. Okay. The Dark Judges, and um, you can catch them in there, and then you put them in a bottle or something that they can't get out of. Mm-hmm. And then put them on display. <laughs> And yeah, put them on display. That's that's. <laughs> they keep doing it. <laughs> Someone's well, gonna knock that bottle over. What are you they, doing? They um, put them in a prison somewhere. Gotcha. The four the four dark judges. Um. Uh, well, there were five at one point, and that ties back into DC Comics because they had Judge Joker there for a while. Really? When the Joker, yeah, the Joker got loose in Mega City One, and the the dark judges took a liking. They they liked the cut of his jib. Right. Makes sense. See, well the. Oh, you're gonna read it, and yet I don't want to to spoil it for you. Right. Well, I, look, to, I, I I'm looking forward to reading it. It's it's because uh, I've only read a couple. I read the ventriloquist one. I read the uh, the Riddler one. Uh, yeah, I read a couple. Yeah. There there are like four <laughs> of them. Every time I think I've read them all, the, there turns out there was another one. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, not bad. Really? Uh, the art's fantastic. The art's phenomenal, though, for all of them. Oh yeah. Um, 
but anyway, we 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 could do a whole Judge Dredd episode one of these days. But uh, but Good. at the end of the day, because we we're 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 winding down to the the time usually when the when the show wraps up. Although I could, I, I'm sure Simply our audience, I'm sure our audience would not care. Sh- like I'm sure they'd love to hear another front, like af- like another hour of this. But uh, we'll see. I don't know. I don't think we've engaged the topic well enough, Sal. I don't know. I feel, I feel like, like it's. I think I, I. I. That's the. That's the nature of the show is that we. 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 We go down those. Uh, those. Those alleys and we. I guess. We. We see what's inside. I. Uh, I've. I've been encouraging it because it's. It's just. Fa- it's just been fascinating. You we've know, like, skirted around the topic a little bit and talked about heroes. Yeah. Well, that we know because we oh, know we're not going to answer that question. My... We can. We can explore other places and we find. Well, we well, find meaning in other. In other topics. We didn't mention Mandrake the magician, Sal. Oh no. <laughs> See, when I was now, this is it'll be brief okay. because it's inclusive. Of this course, is something to put out to the to the listeners, see what they think. Right, when I was researching for my video about Zatanna, <laughs> researching it like five minutes of Google, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I came across an assertion. It might have been on Wikipedia, but I think I followed it up somewhere. And there's a, a a school of thought that thinks Mandrake might be the earliest superhero. Hmm. Now, it's generally accepted that the Phantom is the earliest costumed superhero in the sense of the tights and. the that's the earliest example of that, but yes. the earliest superhero might be Mandrake the Magician, and I wonder if that's true, because hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've only heard of him in passing, like as when I used to do my research as a as a young as a young lad myself, wanting to know everything about my obsessions, um, like Batman. Uh, yeah. I I only know that he was a magician. Like he, you know, he was like he wore a traditional magician's garb, uh, which has. Uh, that's got its own identity, sort of things attached. Oh, the, the stage magician? persona, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so and, it fits then. and that he was invented like, f- like a few years before Superman, like 1934. Well, he would solve crimes. Oh, okay. He's a king feature. See, he exists in the Phantom Universe, basically. Oh really? Oh, is he like? Certain... Did they? Was yeah, he, he was on Defenders that... of the Earth. Did they do a thing? Was there ever like a Phantom cartoon where they put him in there? Yeah. Yeah, it was called Defenders of the Earth. Okay, there you go. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. I'm like, why do I he, remember the he magician? Has the, the best part of like the intro is his thing. It's in my video about the Zatanna figure that I got. Um, the best part of the, the theme song, and it's a good theme song, mm-hmm. is um, Mandrake the Magician because the tone changes completely. Splice it in if you like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> but it's wonderful because it's it's this this heroic song and then the mandrake part and it gets this kind of sinister it gets a bit of mystique about it mm. and i think that's why i remember him so strongly because i never read a lot of mandrake comics or anything like that but i i remember mandrake the magician forever because uh, because of that part of the theme song stood out in such a way that it just grabbed me um in a very, it was so memorable, yeah. very affecting. I liked it a lot. So maybe but, he might have a claim on first superhero if the Scarlet Pimpernel isn't right. And he, you could probably make a case that he is. Like I don't know oh, if yeah. um, I don't know if Baroness Orxy gets a lot of play in <laughs> superhero discussions. I mean, like, I think I think that's that's a relevant point because uh, while I I mean like. As a as a prole, my my response of being like Superman's the first superhero is like saying you know, uh, the Corvette is the coolest car. You know, like it's just it's just a matter of opinion. But uh, Superman for me represents like 
the 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 birth of the identifiable like you know yep qu- like unquestionable superhero he's, he's the coming together of all of the the most significant elements exactly. in a single body cuz the Scar- the scarlet pimpernel could easily be considered a superhero just as i you know one could posit that hercules might be considered a superhero although he doesn't have he doesn't embody all the qualities that i think we've 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 run down that well, one I don't must i don't think i agree with Hercules, but you could make a case for it. I'll that's right, that's, it. All, that's all I'm saying. I don't. Sure. Yeah, I don't. I'm not saying that we we proved inexorably that he is. I'm just saying like I don't, one could argue. I don't think we, we proved a damn thing. With oh no. <laughs> well, no. We're, we we what we did was we took a couple of the criteria. Right. We're like, okay, what makes a superhero? Yeah. We know that powers do not make a superhero. We know that uh, the super a superhero must in some way have a brand identity. We know that the superhero uh, has. A, a a huge amount of uh, identity plays a huge role, a crucial role. Oh yeah, in what a strongly is. ties into the brand thing. Exactly. Yeah, identity. There's is about... no, there is no superhero bigger on the brand than Batman. Mm-hmm. Everything's Bat this, Bat that. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. The Bat Batmobile, Bat Bat Cave, Bat Arangs. Yeah. Bat signal. Yeah. Um, so branding and identity, uh, powers do not necessarily matter. The physique, I think, is something that we touched upon, but never actually so overtly said, which is, I think physique plays into, it yeah, plays, a, plays a role. Yeah, it has to set you apart from normal people. Part of that's branding, part of it's costume, but physique matters. Physique, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's why, that, even though they're getting away from it in the modern era and have been doing so for a long time, female superheroes were always very sexy. Mm-hmm. You know, that because the... That's a, a feminine kind of power in a very it's sort of a traditional sense. That's part of why you read Sonya's and the like are scantily right. clad, not just because of the body. Um, it ties into uh, – I don't want to get into a whole thing, so I'll just say briefly <laughs> okay. that uh, part of the um, the barbarian's physical currency is his, his prowess, not just his physical prowess, but his capacity to procreate, as in he's a, he is attractive and um, he can – his genetics are really good, and he can enforce his claim basically yes, I see. on 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 his sexuality. He controls his sexuality, and that goes for the women in the barbarian paradigm as well, hmm. of which Red Sonia is not one. That's a whole other thing. Red really? Sonia isn't a barbarian character. No, she uh, she's a chivalric hero if she's anything, despite the way she looks. Because huh. I've always fact, associated her barbarian as being one. Well, visually, it's easy to make that association because she exists in the same world and she she looks like one. Yeah. But uh, her her law, if you want to put it one way, the the most traditional tellings of the tale. Right. It, she has no sexual agency at all. Mm. Red Sonia. She is as, as repressed as a chivalric knight as 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 Lancelot. That's interesting okay. because uh, fe- uh, no renowned feminist author uh, Gail Simone took over Red Sonia not too long ago, a few years ago. And she inverted the character, made her much more sexually aggressive. Oh, that's fine. Probably made her a barbarian hero. I think that's exactly what they did. (laughs) Hero's better. Hero's a better word than heroine. Yeah. I like Uh, the idea, yeah, hero is all-encompassing. It doesn't... It's like like everyone's an actor. There's no actresses, just actor. Well, I like actress, because I... As a as a, a fan of the English language, I kind of don't like it when my language starts losing words. Mm, yeah, you don't like but, to remove um, words, yeah. In terms of hero, if you're going to have a female hero in a barbarian sense, you can't really call a heroine because the word heroine, we drop that one in context like this because it has a specific meaning uh, and it ties into the Gothic. It, heroine is a strongly Gothic word that represents vulnerability 
and the need of the hero. So the heroine is a counterpart to the hero in gothic literature. Okay. They serve a different function than the hero. You can't just, the, this woman is a hero, well, we'll call her a heroine. Because right. the word itself doesn't fit. It has a, a different meaning altogether. It's not interchangeable. It's, 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 it's not fun. interchangeable. It's like people get confused when you, you use the word horror and terror. Like yeah. People use those interchangeably and then without realizing that those words are actually the opposite of each other. Hmm. Horror and terror are opposites. And it's because colloquially we just use them interchangeably. Yeah. But horror is a negative emotion and terror is a positive emotion. I know that's a little hard to grasp in yeah. the, the modern era when terror is framed as a bad thing and has been for decades. But in terms of, of literary meaning, terror is a positive emotion because when you go and see a horror movie, for example, if you enjoy horror movies, you go and see a horror movie, you're not going there to experience horror because horror is a negative emotion. It, it chills you. It hurts you. Horror will hurt you. Right. If you were to find a dead body in real life, it would take a long time to that get over it. That would be horror. <laughs> yeah. What you experienced was horror. Terror is a positive emotion because its primary ingredient is the sublime. Mm. Now, it makes you feel small sometimes and it, and it gives you a sense of wonder at the world around you. And when it's terror, it's usually a sense of wonder at some, some terrible thing. Lovecraft was a master at this. Yes. He would give you a great sense of terror by giving you a glimpse at something that was beyond your understanding. Right. All right? He'd give you this little glimpse of, of something that if you knew even half of it, you would go insane, mm -hmm. as many of his characters did. That's terror because you start to imagine, oh, my God, what could this possibly be? And all of a sudden, the world is opened up to all these possibilities. Yeah. It, the great thing about fantasy and horror, but mainly fantasy, is its main function is to re-mystify the world we live in, to give the mystique back that it's lost since the Age of Enlightenment and onward, you know? Okay. And that's why we go to a horror movie looking for a bit of terror, because we're looking for that, that positive emotion that makes the world a little brighter. When we, when we watch a, a horror film, you go to Friday the 13th, if you find that sort of thing, it's your bag. Mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a fan of such films. Yes. <laughs> if they're a little scary, that little bit of tension, that terror, like Jason Voorhees, terrifying figure. Yeah. All right, because you later on you'll think about him and think, what kind of uh, circumstances could create this mm -hmm. this this man? What? And and he becomes terrifying, and you get a great deal of of entertainment out of it for a start, but you also get a lot of self-actualization out of it. And that's why terror is a positive emotion. And that's why you should never be afraid of the word terror. Right. And, yeah, it's, 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 it's wonderful. The entire gothic genre is built on terror. In fact, the word terrorist, uh, in its earliest form, mm -hmm. was simply meant someone who writes gothic literature. Oh. The terrorists. Because they inspire. They yeah, well, it, very much so. But they used those, 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 um, the, the techniques of terror to write uh, gothic stories. Yeah. And back then they weren't really called horror stories. They might have been called horror stories back then. I'd have to look into it again. I haven't done so for a while, to mm. my to my great shame. But uh, Red Sonja is not a barbaric hero. Is what we're... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Red Sonja. <laughs> no, see, the original stories have it that uh, her family was murdered by marauders mm -hmm. in Hyrcania. And, um, and she was spared by uh, a goddess called, oh, what was her name? She's a goddess of vengeance, I think. Uh -huh. uh, she's, I can't remember it now. But anyway, she has supernatural assistance. All right, that's the first barbarian no-no, is that you you don't get your powers from outside. That's why Hercules isn't a barbarian hero. For a right, because he's, he's, he's half in god. In the context yeah. of... Yeah, he's half god. He gets his powers from outside. That's why a lot of the classical heroes aren't 
don't qualify basically as barbarian heroes because they are given their powers and they have the the assistance and the favor of the gods and this that and the other whereas the barbarian hero doesn't and red sonia gets gets her assistance and she has to live by certain rules and one of the main well really the only main rule the only rule is that she cannot lie with a man who can't beat her in, in fair battle con- yes <laughs> yep she she has no sexual freedom right oh no you know it's uh, funny no uh Simone takes that premise and turns it into like a challenge. It makes her, it, it, it gives her power. You know, it's like, yeah, you must fair. defeat me. Like you, you're not worthy to lie with me until you defeat me. It's like, yeah, yeah. but it, but it, in, in essence, it also keeps her chaste because like she's constantly searching for like the, the, the man that. So it's more of a, a psychological her. thing yeah. in her. That's it's interesting. Yeah. It's something I might, might like to look into. I'm not sure. Right? Does that um, so? Well, Sonya's a comic character anyway. She is. She's a Marvel she character, a, believe it or not. Yeah, she was she's created by Roy Thomas. Yeah, who himself is a noted uh, Conan scholar. Yep. Uh, yeah. He. She is for me like tied with Conan because Marvel used to publish Conan books and they used to put those two together all the time. Yeah. Um, it's actually funny. Conan's mythology has permeated the comic books such to the point where uh, set invaded the marvel universe uh oh cool at one point which is and and tried to and tried to uh form the brides of set and took over oh, nice. seven key female superheroes and made them into his mindless uh, brides i read an issue where wolverine goes to the uh the hyborian age yes. and battles Conan. and that ah, was a good one that's cool um, with all of his extra powers and everything he could not overcome the barbarian that's awesome yeah. i like that yeah, they yeah, he really matched. They were well matched. Yeah, I'm trying to think so of that, the. I'm trying to think of the, anyway. The the point is oh, yeah, that yeah. Conan Conan has his sexual freedom and his his power to enforce, his, you know his his virility. His, his virility. Yeah, that's a perfect word. That it signifies that he that he has this and that makes him desirable. And, yes. And so we're a female barbarian, say an Amazon, if you want to. It's a little complex whether a female barbarian hero is an Amazon or not. Mm. That's a whole other discussion. Yeah. And um, very much what Gail Simone sounds like she's done is models that, that she has this sexual agency and a desirability too, right? Yeah. Even though that still kind of uh, positions her as something that you conquer. Sort yes. Of a, yeah, because men see object. her as yeah, – men, men are always like, oh, well, I'm up to the challenge. Like they, they're constantly, you know, seeking to battle yeah. her so they can – you know. <laughs> the difference is, I guess it's her mandate rather than yes. the mandate of God. Conan's relation with his god, Krom, is, is very interesting because he doesn't get his power from Krom, not not in the, the sense that no. we, we mean in Sonya. <laughs> he gets it from steel. He gets it from steel, he gets it from his body. His See, Krom doesn't care. Right, that's always the impression Conan, that I got, was that Krom is Conan, an indifferent god, almost like not even yeah. really concerned with wor- with worship. Yep. He gives, see, the, Krom is the perfect barbarian god because Con, when Conan speaks of him, he says, Krom gives you the capacity to do uh, to do well in your life. He gives you all your might, all your strength, and he just trusts that you'll do it. And he, didn't pay, he pays no heed <laughs> yeah. to you after. He gives you the tools so, and then he sends you on your way. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Conan's god is a god of rejection and neg- negligence. Yeah, that's true. He breathes that's- life into you and then Sends you on your way, you. exactly, and then walks off. Yeah, yeah. It mirrors the the parenting style of a lot of wild creatures. Mm-hmm. 
You know, they'll give birth and then you're on your own. Yeah, yeah. I've gave you life. What more do you want? <laughs> right? You got, a, you got a fighting chance like everybody and, else. And that brings Conan even closer to the wild because such creatures can do that as evidenced by the fact that they exist. Right. And Conan can do that, right? He yeah. is such a, a being that he can exist in a place where men such as I, who have been softened by civilization, mm -hmm. you too, Sal. Yes, I especially. Would, yes. <laughs> would perish. We would perish. Oh, no question. I've I've camped before, and it is it is uh, nightmarish. No. Ah, yes. No, I like it actually, but uh, the camp. But it, the civilized but, island. Yeah, but my camping is not the same thing as living in the wilderness and actually trying to survive. We didn't go into supervillains. Really. No, and that's but that's a whole that's a whole topic. It is supervillains is a whole other thing. Yeah. Like, are they are they simply super villains by association? If there's a superhero present, do you become a supervillain? Well, you don't really. No. But you become a villain by being a special kind of evildoer or a, a bad person. Yeah. I mean, and well, yet, what's the difference between like a supervillain and uh, and well, like what a modern terrorist is or a right you know, or a serial killer. identity problem? I think the same things will apply. Identity. Branding, uh, your branding—something <laughs> uh, to set you apart from normal. Like your your bat villains are a great example. The oh, Joker yeah. looks weird. Two Face looks weird. Penguin, uncanny looking guy. Even yep. though he's just a guy, he, he's an all, he's a criminal genius of some sort. Yeah, uh, uh, he's, yeah. <laughs> but he looks a little weird. He looks a little weird. So that's that's it. You that's your qualifier. Sets him apart. Yep. You know, it's interesting. What, oh, what? you know what we didn't talk about? We talked we, the other qualifier for superheroism is intent. They. Uh, didn't the, we talk about that? Well, we we did, but I'm just saying, like, I was making our list, and I was like, yeah, ah, in, the intent, the, the intent, intent of the hero, the... but also the intent of the villain. The intent of the villain is ha, must be, uh, you know. Um, I think I might be onto something with uh, heroism being kind of virulent and spreading obsession, because it seems oh, to me yeah. that the villains just become obsessed with um, with the hero. The hero. Yeah. You know what villain I really liked after my friend explained him to me. Mm. Uh, he looks, he's the stupidest looking villain. Mm -hmm. I look at him and I think, there's no way you could take this Joker seriously. And it's Black Manta. Oh, Black Manta. What a great villain. He's a great villain. And he looks, and he's, he's, he's got everything going the for ocean. him. Yeah. I, I love that about it. My friend explained, I said, I said, this, this, this stupid looking villain, Black Manta, he's not going to be in any movie. Oh, you know, yes, he is. <laughs> and, then, and my friend said, no, listen, he's great. He laid it out to me and I said, and by the end of it, I was like, oh, God, I hope they bung him in the movie. Yeah. And I hope they don't remove that giant helmet he wears. <sighs> me too. All of a sudden, he started looking cool. I thought he looked stupid. And then as I, I, as I grew to like him, it became he better. He started looking cool. Exactly. Yeah. But, it's, yeah. Sometimes the look makes you want to know more. Sometimes knowing more will make him look a little better. Like it's... Yeah. It, no, I've yeah. made terrible assumptions about black men, and I can I can confess that mm -hmm. I was prejudiced and I was wrong. That's I mean, listen, like that's so. that is that is the mark of of a, of a fledgling Aquaman fan. Everybody always yeah. underestimates the Aquaman stuff until until well, you get exposed to it, and then you're like, oh, it turns out this is actually kind of cool. I think Aquaman is a very uh, you know I I misjudged Aquaman because like everybody else, what's his power? He talks to fish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more interested in, in how he comports himself as a king. And reading him against Namor is very interesting, I've yes. found. I and love, that's well-trod territory, I'm sure. I love Namor as well a character. He's, uh, I, I like him. I like reading about him more than I like reading about Aquaman. Aquaman's a hero, whereas Na Namor is like, not. <laughs> oh. he's, he's no, it's very interesting. Entirely self-serving and arrogant and... and 
just a just a fascinating guy. I, I like I like that character a lot. I just think he's fun because he's just such a jackass. He was the role that Leonard Nimoy was born to play and never did. Yeah, and you need like but like '60s era Leonard Nimoy. He'd have to be buff. Well, luckily we've got modern movie era Spock actor. That's right. Yeah, Zachary Quinto. He'd be great. He looks like Namor. He really Anyone does. Anyone who plays a Vulcan can be Namor. I take that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Oh. I'd even let in people who play Romulans. <laughs> Star Trek. They could be Namor too. Oh yeah. Yeah, as long as you've got the ears and the and the and the terrible haircut, I think you're good to go. Yep. It, well, isn't it funny how like the Vulcans decided that must be the most logical haircut we'll just all have that yes we'll just yeah just give me that <laughs> yeah what about that haircut is logical what about shaping your eyebrows and to make to look cross all the time is uh maybe that's just how they grow i think that is hair. i think that's just a natural thing yeah it could be their hair yeah. just grows that way although yeah i've never seen a bald vulcan except for the except for the uh the romulans in the reboot but they shave their heads <laughs> romulans they all have the like weirdo hair too yeah they have this uniform yeah. And do all the races in Star Trek have uniform hair? Because Klingons all kind of have the dreadlocks. I guess they, do. they don't all have the same style of hair, though. Yeah, I've seen. Or I mean, style like of you've seen old Klingons. They have like they have a bigger mane, or they have they have you know different color hair, or they braid it differently. I mean, they're like dwarves. You know, you don't see a bald yeah. dwarf, except for the oh, except for the ones you, you do the, see. Never mind. <laughs> you, you see the dwarfs with a bald head. Yes. Yeah, because it's a great signifier of age and wisdom. As exactly. A beard is. Yeah. The worst thing you can do with dwarfs is have them lose their beard. Not with beards. With, oh no, the beard. Without is... some, unless you've got some amazing reason, like Dark Sun is pretty good for getting away with it. The, the setting, Dark Sun. It's it's dwarves are bald and. Oh, okay. But um, one of the dumbest things ever was there was this huge period in the late '90s to the mid through 2000s where dwarves, for some reason, always had either short beards or no beard in fiction. Oh. This race that was famous, well, I'm specifically really just talking about computer games. Okay. I'd played Neverwinter Nights and this other game and this yeah. other game, and I'd create a dwarf, and I'd always have no beard, or there'd be only a couple of beard options. Hmm. And up until, like, World of Warcraft came out, which yeah. was all beards. Oh, yes. Uh, that was just, yeah. I couldn't buy a beard. <laughs> it, it was absolutely ridiculous and i'm a man with a beard listeners if you're still there oh that's beard. that is that is a uh that is a that is a great beard i'm a bearded man yeah i think they've all gone by now because <laughs> 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 we're talking about dwarfs i know i know no i that's, love it I, listen this is this is straight into our if you if you have any if you have any curiosity about about dwarves, definitely go to uh, Bardic Broadcast because uh, you always like manage it. to find that. I, this is a staple of of I think the Bardic Broadcast channel because you you always manage to find some way of of working in the dwarven culture into your video. Yeah. You're like, oh, and by the way, if you're ever interested in <laughs> a better way, do, the dwarven way. I don't do many videos though. No, that's true. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's uh, you cherry pick. Well, your... for me, it's it's a hobby. Yeah, it's just a hobby. I don't want to work like a slave at it. No, exactly. It will, you would it would lose its charm. Like it's right now, you you make a video when it strikes you, and when it strikes you, it is memorable and and enchanting. But uh, when the time is right, exactly. You strike. You know, that's, like like forging a good sword. You know, if you if you know where and when to strike. That's right. <laughs> the elves know nothing of this. No, they just <laughs> they just make they, pretty weapons that 
never they toil it. away on youtube making videos about things they're not really passionate about that's it yeah like makeup tutorials or yeah oh gee i've got to do all this content because oh god i read a wiki once how to succeed on youtube you've got to have this kind of thumbnail yep and you got to have this kind of title and you got to have we i don't do any of that I, I don't even think about that stuff that's legitimately like whenever anybody asks us like you know they're like how do how do how do i i want to make a channel what do i do i go be honest make what you want and you know learn from your environment like you just you just watch and you know watch yeah. the stuff you like and then you know some you're you're going to find that some of your your beginning work is derivative because you're you're just kind of like aping off of what you what you enjoy but eventually you're going to find a voice and then you're going to and you're going to execute it if it's if it's meant to be or if you're working hard enough at it like you'll find your audience and then you'll and then you'll yeah. succeed or at least you're you'll... not alone you're not alone in the world out there. if you're going to make a youtube channel the best thing you can do is is what sal said do what you what you like yeah because you're not the only person out there who likes what you like exactly and and all those other people they're your audience yeah at least to start with you know yeah i mean no yeah and, and of course uh, interactivity like i noticed uh, both one of the things that we have in common with with the bard is that we interact with our audience do i i i, oh, I guess I'm... in your comments whenever when, oh, when yeah. someone asks you a poignant question i know i know you're there and you're just like boom you got yeah. it I read all my comments. I don't always answer every comment. No, well, that's that would be impossible. <laughs> yeah, but um, I answer the poignant ones. Yeah. Like just recently, I I wrote out the entire um, night before Auxmas for a fellow who wanted the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I replied to his comment. I wrote it. That's awesome. And I posted it. <laughs> I should have put it in the description and retrospect. Oh yeah. Well, thankfully it's written. You could actually <laughs> ah, copy late. and paste it. Ah, it's over. Yeah. It's ah. there now. They could find it. Boom. <laughs> if someone else asks, I can copy it for them. Exactly. Um, well, you know what? Let's 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 uh, let's stop here. Let's let's leave them wanting more. I think that they're going to want it. So we solved nothing. No. Oh, and well, that's how we like it. That's right. No, we ask the questions <laughs> and then we and then we talk about something else. That's. <laughs> That's the comic pop way over here. Thanks a lot. That's how it worked out. All right. Yeah, if you listen. say that's fine, that's fine. Trust me, I this is this is uh, I, this is more focused than most conversations that we have on this channel. So you are you are in good company. Oh, that's a relief. Well, Bard, thank you so much for sitting with me and and chatting about this and that specifically about where you know what what superheroes are, but. I think we got down some really interesting narrow paths. I'm excited to hopefully explore some of the 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 rich uh, nougaty centers that we've explored or touched upon just just a little bit. I'm, I'm, I, nougat. I, yeah, yeah, nougat. I'm, I'm, I don't know about this. Oh, trust me. No, it. <laughs> oh, we're good. But uh, <laughs> thank you for being here, man. We really appreciate it. And uh, oh, it was a pleasure. And ladies You're and gentlemen, welcome. of course, click the description box below this video where you can you can go to Bardic Broadcast and check out these amazing these cracking unboxings that he. That he performs oh, yes. fantastic stuff. It, it, I, I'm, I'm very fond of my unboxings, and yes. I hope you'll enjoy them too if you have a look. You'll know right away if, if my channel's your bag. So. That's right. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs>